So the scripture was read just a minute ago from Acts chapter 19. And for me, that's a fascinating passage. And it's real easy to kind of get wrapped up. We meet Apollos in that. It was introduced in chapter 18, but we meet him. And then Paul goes into Ephesus and he asks them if they received the Spirit when they were baptized. And he goes through and, and, the, and there's something incredible there. He lays his hands on them and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they speak in tongues and, and they prophesy. But for me, the fascinating part of that starts in verse 6, and it goes through the verse 10. When he starts to reason, he spends three months in the synagogue teaching. And he's arguing, the NIV says, in there he's reasoning with them, trying to show the Jews who Jesus Christ was. And it says some of them received it, but some of them resisted. And so he moves from there, arguing with the Jews into the, the, the area of Tranus where they, they have a room, they have a space where for the next two years he reasons and he teaches them. And it says in verse 10 that he does that. And during those two years, everyone in the area, Jews and Greeks alike, had an opportunity to hear the gospel. And so through a two-year process there of Paul reasoning and teaching and encouraging them, everyone in that area had an opportunity to hear the gospel. Now that's a pretty amazing accomplishment for Paul to do. And that to me is a very interesting and amazing first century missionary story. Well, what I want to do is I want to share with you a 21st century mission story. There we go of Roberto and Betty. Now, disclaimer, before I start this, I'm not holding Roberto and Betty up as the only ones who this is uh, an example of. All of our missionaries could be held up in this way, either now or in the future at some point. But I do want to share with you a missionary story from the 21st century. This is an incredible couple that I hope in the next few minutes you'll get to know. In 1990, you sent flawed, ill-prepared humans to Toluca, Mexico to preach the gospel. And I mean that with all my heart. I mean, we did not know what we were doing. And we were not prepared for what we were going to face. But God had a plan. And when you sent us down there, within two months, we met Carla Borja. We... There was four missionary families, and we got stuck on the opposite side of town. The other three missionary families all lived on the same street, right next to each other. And Claire and I couldn't find a house in that area, so we got stuck, we felt like, on the opposite side of town. In kind of a dirty, ghetto-y kind of area, and, and we were kind of feeling sorry for ourselves. One evening, Cody and I went to the little tienda, the little store, to buy some bread... And as we walked in that store, in my broken Spanish, I was trying to figure out how to say bread and order it and everything. And Carla Borja was in there at the same time. And she came up, and in perfect English, she said, Oh, you're Americans. And I said, Yes, that's right. She helped us order the bread, and she helped us in many ways after that. But the next night, she and a friend of hers were walking down the street. And as she walked, this is a true story, as she walked down the street, I was parking my car, so I said hi to her, and we visited, and she said, what are you doing here? I said, we're missionaries, we came here to teach the Bible, we're trying to start a church. And she said, quote unquote, to me, you can invite me to church if you want to. 
Now, if you can't get to there from that invite, then you've got a problem as a missionary. And I said, but, 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 uh, would you like to come to church on Sunday? And she said, yes. Can I bring a couple of friends of mine? I said, we would love that. So Carla did. She came and she brought a couple of friends of hers. One of them was Claudia Ackle. But Carla was and still is an extremely interesting individual. And one of the things that she loves to do is dress up as a clown and perform or entertain at children's parties. And she's great at it. She's just so full of energy. And so Carla liked to be a clown at parties and Carla had a sister, Marta, and her husband, Jaime, and they had a son that's about the same age as my youngest grandson, granddaughter, and they were going to have a party. So they invited Carla to the party. Carla said, can I bring my friends to the party, my missionary friends? They said, yeah, why not? So they invited all of us. Now, do you see how God's plan is working out here? We had nothing to do with this. We didn't arrange these meetings. We didn't get to know these people because we were really good at getting to know people that spoke a different language. But at this party, we went. We had a great time. We hung all the decorations on the outside. We took pictures. We ate. We, we had a wonderful time. But at this party, Marta... Wait a minute. Go back. I'm not done with that one yet. Marta said, hey, do you mind if I invite my next door neighbors? We said, sure, why not? I mean, it's not our party. And so she invited on the, let's see, it'd be on the right there, that couple who just happened to be the next door neighbors, Roberto and Betty. So she invited Roberto and Betty. And we started a Bible study with Marta and Jaime. And Betty kind of invited herself to the Bible study because she thought it sounded like interest. She thought it would sounded interesting. And she considered herself a Christian and she wanted to be a part of that. She wanted to help and offer. And so she invited her and she came. I think we had two studies. And the third week that we met together, she said, you know what? This, my husband is the one that really needs this. He's not a Christian. And we said, that's great. The more the merrier. We'd love to have Roberto come be a part of this study. And so she said, okay, I'll see if I can get him to come. And so she invited him. So the next week we come. And so we're sitting, Marta and Jaime and Betty, we're sitting there getting ready to study. And we always have snacks and food. And so we finished our snacks and our food. And we're getting ready to study. And it's about 7.30 because Roberto gets off at 7. And no Roberto. And so it's like, well... How late do you want to wait for Roberto? And, you know, this is back before cell phones and all of that. And, and we waited until almost 8 o'clock and no Roberto, so we started studying. And then about 8.30, quarter to 9, Roberto comes pulling in. And he says, oh, did I miss the study? I'm so sorry. And then he fixes dinner and we go, yeah, we're sorry too. Okay, we'll see you next week. So the next week we go. And the same thing happens. But we wised up the next week. So we said you know what, we're just going to wait until Roberto gets here, and then we'll start the study. And Betty got real embarrassed, but she said, okay. So we wait, and it gets to be 8 o'clock, and then it gets to be about 8.30, and finally Roberto shows up, and we go, great, let's start the study. And Roberto says, what? <laughs> and so we started the study, and we opened the scriptures, and we talked about Jesus Christ and how much he loves us and how willing he is to forgive us and it's just a matter of our hearts opening up to him. 
And I went through that study, and I will never forget this as long as I live. I went through that study, and towards the end of the study, when we got to the forgiveness part, Roberto took his glasses off, and he started to weep. I mean, this was a gut-wrenching weep, crying, sobbing for his sins. And he said that he wanted to be a Christian. He wanted to be forgiven. And just like that picture of the sun rays coming down on the earth, all of God's blessings pour out on us, but they're looking for good soil, faithful hearts, open hearts. And they found that in Roberto and Betty. So the important part of this message is God arranged for us to meet them. We did not cause that to happen. We kind of did our best to mess it up sometimes, I think, and it still happened exactly the way that God wanted it to. And so Roberto and Betty chose to be baptized. And it was early in our ministry down there, and we didn't know where to baptize them. Our bathtub wasn't deep enough, and we didn't know where there was any swimming pools around or anything. So Roberto says, I got a place. It just happened to be about two hours out in the country, but he said, I have a place. So we all load up in the car, and we head out there, and we find this beautiful spot with a waterfall. And Jaime and Marta were baptized, and Roberto and Betty were baptized. And I've got no idea where Jaime and Marta are. I don't even know if they're faithful. I don't even know if they're still going to church. But I know exactly where Roberto and Betty are. I know exactly what Roberto and Betty are doing because of their hearts. Because they, they wanted to be right with God, and they wanted to be used by God. So Roberto was called, and he felt that calling and when we first met him, he was the manager of a wholesale paper supply company, and he sold paper to newspapers. He sold rolls of paper to newspapers. And this is his office there on the right. And so we would meet, we would have our business meetings and our planning meetings and everything in there in his office. And you can see by the white tape on his mouth that Roberto really liked to talk a lot. He really liked to contribute. He liked to be a part of the conversation. So much so that in joking, a lot of times they would say, put that tape on your mouth so that other people can get words in edgewise. And, but Roberto would contribute in a significant way, and it was easy to see his leadership skills, his leadership ability, and especially his heart for people. He not only was a good leader and a good administrator, but he was also soft and tender-hearted, and he would never put anybody down or take advantage of them or hurt them intentionally in any way, shape, or form. A unique combination. And Roberto continued to grow. Roberto decided that he needed a formal education. He had a college degree, but he wanted to go. We had started in 1996. We'd started ELEB, the Instituto Americano de Estudios Biblicos, so the Latin American Bible Study Institute. And Roberto was one of the early graduates of that. Now, in that photo of Roberto graduating there on the left, nope, go back one, you might recognize the guy that's on the right. If you've been to Mexico, that's Reyes. So Roberto and Reyes graduated in the same generation or the same class from ELEB. But on the other side of that slide, several years later, you'll find Roberto kind of in that crowd there. And those are graduates that he taught as he became not only the teacher, but also the administrator of ELEB, the Bible Institute. 
So he would faithfully, every day during the week, he would hold classes, he would have Bible studies, he would encourage and teach students. And this is the graduating class. Now, it's hard to see on the screen, but on the screen up above all of them are about 10 different pictures of people who are webcammed in from different parts of Latin America. They're also part of that graduating class. They just don't happen to be in Toluca at that time. Because Roberto, with Kim and Raul's help, they've also developed a distant learning program. And so Roberto's faithfulness, not alone, but to a great deal, has been responsible for many people not only coming to Christ, but also learning how to bring other people to Christ and teach other people in the process. Now this is a little bit hard to see, but this is a more recent graduation picture. I think Donovan was here at this. Didn't you go down with me at this one, or am I getting my trips mixed up? Okay, and if you can see a little red circle there in the middle, that's the only picture of Fernando Arroyo. I asked Roberto this week, I emailed him, and I said, hey, Roberto, can you send me the names of five or six of your most productive graduates, the ones that have planted the most churches or baptized the most people or, or been productive in the typical senses that we would think of it? So he sent me a list of these six names, and at the top of the list is Fernando Arroyo. And this little tiny red circle up there is Fernando, but about half the people in this graduating class have in some way or another a relationship to Fernando and have either been brought to Christ or have, been, have grown in Christ through their relationship with him. And in just a minute, I'm going to show you in the state of Guanajuato, after he graduated from Eleb, being taught by Roberto and encouraged by Roberto, after he left Eleb, he went to the state of Guanajuato where 20 churches have been planted. So we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Eliseo Ferreira is the last one on the list, last not by productivity, but just happened to end up at the bottom. And Eliseo Ferreira was one of the early students and graduates of ELEB, came in 1996, and he was a pain in the neck. I mean, big time. He was a firebrand. He was on fire. He was one of those street corner preachers, hellfire and damnation, and he would confront anybody, anytime, any way to get him to see the truth. So he is Paul during the two months in the synagogue, arguing with the Jews. But he mellowed out over the years, just a little bit. And when he graduated from Eleb, he moved to Cozumel. And he and his brother Ephraim started a branch school of Eleb. And they started gathering students who were already Christians there and teaching them and baptizing them and teaching them how to preach and teach, which they did quite prolifically. And throughout the Yucatan Peninsula and on up into the state of Veracruz, planted a number of congregations there through Eliseo. I have no idea how many people he studied with or baptized, or how many people those people have studied with or baptized because of Roberto and Betty. So pictures are a lot more uh, interesting than a list of words, but I want you to look at this list of words very carefully because these are cities and towns where churches have been planted because of the ministry of Roberto and others in Eleb. 
And so in Poza Rica, there's a church now that didn't exist before, and there's Christians there that, didn't, that weren't Christians before because missionaries from Eleb have gone out and planted that church. In Oaxaca, Coco and Tish, missionaries that we support from here have gone down there, and there's three congregations down there that they have been a part of. Guanajuato, I mentioned Fernando Arroyo. So look at that. He went to San Miguel de Allende, which is the third one on the list. But the capital of Guanajuato has a congregation. Leon, Guanajuato, has a congregation. And underneath San Miguel de Allende, Roberto couldn't remember the names, but there's 17 other congregations in small villages around there that have been started by them. The numbers are not all that impressive, but think about the lives of those people. Think about a family that may be campesinos or farmers, and they live out in the middle of nowhere, outside in San Miguel de Allende. And because of the work of this church started in San Miguel de Allende, now there's a church in their pueblo. And now they can start going hearing the good news about Jesus Christ, how he loves them and how he's willing to forgive their sins. And I remember all the way back to the sobs, the tears of Roberto, and the way that message touched his heart in that moment, that passions never died. And so he has been able to, with the help of God, convey not only the message but the passion behind it to so many others. And those others like Eliseo and Fernando and many others, they've caught that fire. They not only understand the message up here, but it burns in their hearts because they've received that forgiveness and they know how it feels. And so they go out and passionately share that with people that are hurting and struggling and needing that message. And we thank Roberto for being a faithful part of that up until present. Roberto and Betty are still much more faithful now than they ever have been in the past, much more productive now than they ever have been in the past, teaching more students, helping more students. But here's the thing that is incredible. Roberto and Betty are just like you. They struggle with health issues. They struggle with depression. They struggle with burnout. They struggle with the decisions that their children are making. On the right there is Jocelyn. She was the oldest, the first one to get married to Adam. They live in Lubbock, Texas, and they have just graduated from CB, which is the Sunset School of Preaching School, and are looking for a job preaching. Roberto and Betty's only grandbaby is in Jocelyn's arms. But their youngest child, Jared, his picture is there in the middle at his wedding to his bride from South Africa. And after the wedding, they move back to South Africa and they work in a church that they helped to plant. And Betty and Roberto miss them terribly. They're a long ways away from home. And Aline, there on the left, she married somebody that Roberto and Betty weren't really crazy about. He's not the most faithful Christian in the world. Some of you have struggled with that. And she is a chef 
on a cruise ship, as is he. And so they spend most of their life cruising around the oceans, or right now they're living in China, working in a, in a big fancy hotel as chefs. Kind of hard for Roberto and Betty to go see them. And especially when Roberto and Betty's hearts are kind of up in the air, if not broken about maybe the choices that that child is making. So here's the conclusion. Here's the point of this. There's 11 families that this church supports that are just like Roberto and Betty in the sense that they struggle with all the same life issues every single one of us does. They struggle with time. They struggle with energy. They struggle with health. They struggle with diet and exercise. And they struggle with raising their children to be faithful Christians. The only difference between them and us is they live in some other part of the world and they're speaking a different language, but they're teaching the same gospel that we are teaching. The same gospel that gives life, that sets people free from the burdens of their sins. And they're doing it faithfully. And we get the blessing of being able to hold their arms up and support them and encourage them and help them in this process. So the encouragement that I want to give you today is, in 1990, you sent a flawed and ill-prepared family to Toluca, Mexico. You did. And you sent that family down that God blessed enough to meet Roberto and Betty. So you are responsible for Roberto and Betty having the opportunity to come to the Lord. You are partially responsible for Roberto and Betty teaching hundreds of students through ELAB. And those hundreds of students through ELAB planting 33, to be exact, congregations, and thousands of other people having the opportunity to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. How does that feel? How do you feel? You should feel blessed. You should feel blessed because you've let the blessings of God flow through you. God doesn't call us to be geniuses. He doesn't call us to be completely prepared in any aspect of our lives. He calls us to be faithful. He calls us to show up. He calls us to try to do the best that we can. So as we all do that together, I want to encourage you this morning by reminding you that God himself will bless that. He will bring people into your life that are Roberto and Betty's, that have open and sensitive hearts. And you may never know how that encounter is going to happen. It may happen on a street corner where somebody says, you can invite me to church if you want to. Or it may be a much more difficult uh, relationship that's formed through the school or through your job or by one of your neighbors who's struggling and hurting and asking for help. So, if this is a story that sounds interesting to you, and you'd like to be more a part of stories like this, the first step is to become a Christian. That message that we had the privilege of teaching Roberto and Betty that night that caused him to cry, 
is the same message that every Sunday is offered to you guys here in service, in class, every life group. Hopefully every time we get together, we say, hey, isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? If you're not sure, if you're not there, let us help you figure that out. So that's what we want to do. We want to extend an invitation. We'd like to pray for you. We'd like to study with you. We'd like to teach you if we can, if you need that. But you just need to let us know. There'll be shepherds here in the front and I think in the back. So let us know if we can help you in any way. Ted?